So this morning, I'm going to be wrapping up the book of Ephesians. Uh, we've been in the book of Ephesians since uh, uh, Pastor Brooks' uh, transition, and we had a week of Pastor Aaron, but we've been in Ephesians for the last two, two and a half months. Um, and so today, uh, I am going to wrap up Ephesians. Pastor Chuck did a great job last week. Can we give it up for Pastor Chuck? He walked us through the armor of God and an all-in-one sermon, right? That, that was the real miracle that he actually got all the way through it in one sermon. Um, typically, pastors break it down by each part of the armor, so it's like a two-month thing. And there, Pastor Chuck did it in one sermon. But we're going to kind of stay in the same vein as Pastor Chuck did last week, talking about the armor. I'm going to go back. It's not going to be on your screen just yet. But I'm going to go back and read Ephesians 6. Chapter, chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, it's right before he gets into the armor of God. And Paul is kind of setting up um, what is the armor, what is it used for, what is, what is it. So this is what he says. Finally, again, he's wrapping up this whole letter that he's, he's, he's wrote. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This next verse is a verse that I stand on a lot in my life, um, and I think it's an important verse. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And why I say I think this is an important verse for, for me and for my life um, is because I have to realize that a lot of what happens in my life when someone offends me, when someone says something about me, when, when uh, someone discourages me, whatever it may be, I, I try to remind myself my, my struggle is not against them, right? My struggle is not against flesh and blood. I don't know what's going on in their home life. I don't know what's going on in their spiritual life. I know there's other things that are happening that I don't see, and my struggle is not against them. And so Paul continues, therefore, because of this verse, right, because we know our struggle is not against flesh and blood, because of these things, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, not if the day, but when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes. So Paul is very clear. There's a day of evil that's coming. You need to put on the armor of God. You need to stand firm. And then he begins to list off all the different pieces of the armor. Pastor Chuck, again, gracefully walks us through that. I'm going to pick up in verse 18. This is what it says. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me. Remember. Where's Paul when he's writing this letter? He's in prison. And so Paul says, pray also for me. He doesn't say that, pray for me that I would get out of prison. We're going to get to it in a minute. But he says, pray for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. So Paul walks us through the armor of God, 
And then he has verse 18. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. It's interesting because if you research it, if you study it, if you read what theologians write about it, there's no writing style change that happens going from the armor of God into pray at all times. It almost seems like it would be a change of thought. Paul's talking about this armor that we put on, this spiritual armor, and now he's saying pray at all times. So it, it almost from the outside would seem like two different veins. But if you study it, if you research it, there's really no change. Paul continues, and it's almost not like a, a different vein. It's the same vein, the same thought process, the same writing. So you'd have to assume and read the text that prayer, though he, he doesn't say it's a part of the armor, you would have to assume by reading that, by studying that, studying Paul's writing style, that prayer, that the emphasis that Paul writes, where he writes it, the intentionality of writing it, that prayer is vital. Prayer is vital. It goes hand in hand with the armor of God. That prayer is vital for standing firm against the spiritual warfare taking place. Because remember, go back to how he set this all up. Stand firm. He says stand like four different times. Be strong. Prayer is vital. Some theologians would even say as you're studying it, as you're looking at it, they look at it as an activation. They look at prayer as an activation. You have this armor, right? You have all this armor. You have the helmet, the, the breastplate, the sword, the feet. You have all this armor, and now prayer is the activation of this armor, right? Prayer is the activation of that in spiritual warfare, because what's the, what's the use of having armor if it's not activated? It'd be like if there was a warrior, right? There's this warrior and he has this super cool spear. Oh, I knew I was either going to catch it and it was going to look super good or it was going to hit me. And it could be America's Funniest Home Videos. So either I get money out of it or it looks really cool. We'll see. But it'd be like this warrior who has this spear. He has his armor, right? He has everything he needs for battle, but he doesn't ever use it. It's kind of like my golf game. I just lean on my clubs because it looks good for pictures. <laughs> right? I don't know how to use it. I'm not very good at it. This warrior has everything he needs. We have the armor of God, but prayer, prayer is the activation. It's the usage of that. Here, thanks for my... my or like a basketball player, something I can relate to a little bit better. You have this basketball player, he's got the ball, he's got his shoes, he's got all the equipment. You know, basketball players now, they put all these different accessories on. I don't know, I don't get it. But they have all this, but they don't, they don't use it. They don't overshoot. They don't ever make the play. Prayer is the activation of, that's why he's good right there. That's why he's good at basketball. Do you see that catch? Prayer is the activation of the armor of God. Prayer is what brings it all together. I, I believe that as I read through it, as I study it, as you, you study Paul's writing style, can I encourage you? Uh, obviously, we need to read the word, but can I encourage you to do background and study on writing styles? How Paul writes is different than how Peter writes, which is different than how Luke writes. And there's intentionality in their writing styles. 
So if you, if you study all this, you would say that prayer goes hand in hand with the armor of God. Prayer should be a vital part. As disciples of Jesus, prayer should be a vital part of our walk. I would challenge us today that if prayer is not to be found in our life as Christians, are we walking out as disciples of Christ? So my title, as you see, is War with Words. Not war of words, right? It's totally different. Anybody ever been in a war of words? Right? You know, I'm gonna be, I, I don't like conflict very much. I'm just, it makes me very uneasy. So I'm not one to get in a war of words. I could probably count in the, the, on my hand, like the times I've been in a war of words. War of words just make me, so it's not that. Don't think that. Though I would say that sometimes as Christians we get in more war of words than we do warring with words in prayer. We need to war with our words. You know, the subtitle, and it's not up there, but the subtitle is Characteristics of a Prayer Warrior. What we're going to do is we're going to walk through verses 18 through 20. And I'm going to look at what I think are characteristics of what we would call a prayer warrior. You know, you all, you all have that, that person in your life that, that you say, you know what, I know they, they, they pray, right? I know they pray. It's not one of those people that say, I'm just going to pray for you, and then they don't ever pray for you. But you know that person prays. So you go to them, and you're like, hey, I really had this going on. I really, really need prayer for this. Last night as I was, we got home, me and the boys got home about 5 o'clock, just before 5 o'clock, and was kind of going over my message. There were some outside things happening. And so I texted a friend that I know uh, prays, and I said, hey, I could really use some prayer right now. Prayer warrior. I could use some prayer. It doesn't mean I'm not praying. Right, doesn't mean I'm neglecting to pray, but I say, hey, I really need some prayer. So what are some characteristics of a prayer warrior? That's what we're going to look through. That's what we're going to quickly, I say quickly, we'll find out how quickly it really goes, but quickly walk through these characteristics. A warrior is one who specializes in the art of war or fightings. As Christians, we need to specialize in the art of praying. We need to be prayer warriors. So the first, first characteristic I would say is nonstop, is nonstop prayer. Paul starts verse 18 and he says, pray at all times. Pray at all times. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it's not up there, but 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray constantly. Or some of you would, in some of your versions, it says, pray without ceasing. We like to use and quote this scripture all the time in church. Well, we should pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. And Paul says, pray at all times. But what, what does that really mean? Is Paul saying that we should go around constantly praying unbroken prayers? And what I mean by unbroken is 24-7 praying nonstop. I, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily what he means. We've been invited into an unbroken flow of dependence and fellowship with God. Through Jesus, through salvation. He resides within us by his spirit. He's an ever-present help. He is there. What I think Paul means is that in every situation... We should have it built into our lives, into the character of who we are as Christians to pray at all times. A situation pops up, we pray. 
A thought pops up that shouldn't be there, we pray. Temptation pops up, we pray. Do you find yourself in a hard conversation? Pray. Are you tempted? Pray. Are you feeling discouragement? Pray. Do you see something or read something that grieves your heart? Pray. Is there wisdom needed? Pray. Someone brings something to you? Pray. It should always be our first reaction as Christians to go to prayer. Communication with the Lord. If we want to be considered prayer warriors, if we want to, I think, be considered disciples of Jesus, we need to pray at all times. I think we can tell a lot about our walk with the Lord and our healthiness of our walk with the Lord about what is our first reaction when something happens in life. And I would say that's good or bad. Because sometimes it's easier to go to the Lord when something bad happens. Right, because we realize, oh, I get, this is really bad, I need God. But what happens when something good happens in your life? Are you praising and praying God for that, thanking him for that in prayer? It reveals a lot about who we are. So we need to pray at all times. The second thing is this, spirit-led. As Christians, we need in our prayers to be spirit-led. This is what he says, pray at all times in the Spirit. And now as Pentecostals, a lot of times we like to use this verse as a verse um, to say, well, you should pray in your prayer language. You should pray in the Spirit. Yeah, but I think what Paul means is something actually a little different here. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us, for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Our prayers that we pray should align with the Spirit and the heart of God. Our prayers that we pray should align with the Word of God. So what I think Paul is saying when he says pray at all times in the Spirit we, when we pray, should be saying, God, what is your spirit's will? What is your will in this situation? Not my will. Prayer is not an opportunity for us to come and twist the arm of God. It's not an opportunity for us to come and manipulate the will of God, because that's not what it is. One, he's not going to be manipulated. He's not going to be twisted. Our prayers should be, God, what is your will? 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, God's will, he hears us. Not according to the will of Raymond, right, not according to your will, but if we ask anything according to God's will, he hears us. When we pray in the spirit, we're asking, God, align my spirit with yours. Align my heart with your heart. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. When Jesus is in the garden, what does he pray? If you can take this from me, but not my will, your will be done. When we pray at all times in the spirit, we're asking God, align my spirit with yours, 
align my will with yours. I don't want what I want. I want what you want, Jesus. Third is this, all types. I know that's a little broad, but this is what verse 18 says. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. There's different types of prayers, right, that we pray. Sometimes we pray in adoration of who God is, right? We pray in thanksgiving. God, you are good. God, you are worthy. You can look at how Jesus starts the Lord's prayer, right? Hallowed be your name. It is a prayer of showing honor to who God is. That his name is great and greatly is he to be praised. Sometimes we pray prayers of confession. Revealing ourselves before God. Hiding from him no longer. God, I know you see this, but I confess this to you. God, I lay this down to you. Sometimes... We ask prayers of forgiveness, Lord, forgive me. Looking to him for renewedness in our lives. Sometimes we bring specific requests from our lives before God. Sometimes we pray prayers of submission. There's, there's different types of prayers. You know, the ESV and New King James uses every prayer and supplication. Instead of every prayer and request, every prayer and supplication. The word supplication means the action of asking or begging earnestly and humbly. So Paul says that we, we should pray with every prayer, every request. Thanksgiving, adoration, confession, forgiveness, supplication, request, whatever it may be. We can't just pray before our food and before bedtime, right? That can't be the only time we pray. We need to pray with every prayer and every request. We're going to put this into action for just a moment. This isn't going to be like a normal sermon. There's going to be a couple breaks in it, and that's okay. But we're going to take a moment, and we're going to put this into action. Because what's the purpose of me standing up here preaching if we're not putting it to action? So what we're going to do for the next minute or two if you want to pray out loud, you can. If you're not comfortable with that, that's fine. But we're going to take a minute or two, and we're going to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. In your own words, I want you to begin to thank God. I want you to begin to thank God for what he's done in your life. I want you to begin to thank God for salvation. What did we do a little bit ago? We did communion. We did it in remembrance of what Jesus has done. Let's take a moment in our own words and let's thank him. Let's thank him. I'm going to turn my mic off, but I'm going to pray, but I want you.
Now what I want us to do is I want us to take a moment. Hopefully this doesn't make you uncomfortable, but if it does, I apologize. But I want us to take a moment. Pray at all times or pray in the spirit. I want us to take a moment. We're not going to ask God for anything other than that we would align with his will. We're going to take a moment and say, God, we don't, need, we don't want anything from you. We're not asking for anything. But God, would you align our spirit with yours? God, would you align our spirit with what your will is? Not my will for this earth, not my will for my life, but what your will is. So let's take a moment. Your will, not mine. this. Prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of aligning ourselves with the Spirit. Later on for altar, we're going to have prayer of supplication. What is it that you need? Remember the word supplication means asking or begging anything earnestly or humbly. At the end of this, we're going to have a moment for you to respond. Pastor James is going to play. We're going to open up um, the, the down front area, what we call the altar. And we're going to have a moment for you to bring your supplication before the Lord. But what I want to do now is I want to do a little bit of corporate prayer. Because I believe, I believe that as Christians, and Paul says it multiple times in his greetings and multiple letters that he is praying for the church. He is praying for others. I believe that as Christians we should be praying for one another. So what we're going to do, and this is going to take a step of faith, a step of boldness, but if, if there's something in your life you need that you're looking for, you're asking for guidance, asking for clarity, whatever it may be, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand and then I want those around you to gather around you to pray over you because I believe, you know, and, and you can ask our youth leaders, I'm, praying, I'm, I'm preaching on prayer, but this is something that we've made intentional in our youth ministry. Last fall, I asked our youth leaders in a survey, I said, what's one thing that we need to be more intentional about? What's one thing that we need to do a better job of? And it was prayer. So we have pre-service prayer. We take time in our service to pray for our students. We, what we're about to do, we do in our youth service. We say, hey, students, if there's anything you need in your life, if there's something you're going through, I want you to raise your hand and your fellow students are going to gather around you and pray. Because so many times we think it's got to be the pastor praying for us. So if that's you, again, it's going to take a step of boldness. But if you, need, if you need prayer for anything, would you just raise your hand? There's hands going up. Would you just reach out to those around you that have a hand raised? If you need to get up and walk around, we're having church. I don't care what, how long it takes us. Would you gather around someone that has their hand raised? Let's be the body of Christ for a moment and pray for those around us. If you raise your hand and you feel comfortable sharing with with someone, uh, what you need prayer for, would you share it with them? 
I'm going to lead us in prayer, but I want you to be praying for those that have their hand raised. Is there anybody that doesn't have someone around them that has their hand raised? I just want to make sure everybody has somebody. Lord, we come to you right now. God, again, we align ourselves with you. Jesus, we align ourselves with your will, with your spirit. Not our will be done, but your will be done. And so, oh Lord, I pray over those that have their hands raised. Lord, they're coming to you. Lord, they're humbly coming before you. God, I pray whatever it is that's in their life, whatever it is that they're coming to you with, with supplication, with prayer, Lord, that their spirit will be aligned with your spirit. Jesus, that you will begin to move and speak to them clearly about what they need in their life, what it is that you are wanting to do in their life. Lord, if it's for healing, God, we do pray for healing over their body right now, whether it's physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual, whatever it may be, God, we pray for a renewness over their, a refreshing over their life, Lord, that you would speak clearly to them. God, again, we align ourselves with you. We believe in you. We trust in you. We put all of our trust, our hope in you, in you alone, Jesus. You are the way maker, the miracle worker. So, Lord, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. With all types of prayer, we should be praying. And we should be praying for one another. Next characteristic is this. We should be alert in our prayers. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert. Stay alert. And, it, you know, it can really be tied back into nonstop prayer because I think when you're praying constantly, when the character of who you are as a disciple of Jesus and your first reaction when something happens is to pray, I believe you're staying alert. But we have to be intentional to stay alert. Multiple times when Jesus would talk about prayer, he would say, be alert, stand guard and pray. Luke 21, 34 says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Jesus is really talking about end times here. But go down two verses. He says, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. We have to stay alert and pray. The word there for be always on watch, the word watch actually translates and means to have the alertness of a guard at night. To have the alertness of a guard at night. It's interesting that that translation, that meaning of that word means a guard at night. Standing guard during the day really isn't that intimidating. Think about it. You can see everything. I remember my dad talking to me about Vietnam when he he did two tours in Vietnam. I asked him the last few years of his life, he was more open with me about the things he saw in Vietnam. And he said the most scared he's ever been in his life. He said it wasn't when he was on the chopper dropping guys off into the battle. He said it, one night in Vietnam he had to stand guard. 
And he said he's up on the tower, and he's like, you're just looking into this pitch dark of nothing. He said, you have no idea what's out there. You have no idea if there's a Viet Cong sniper looking at you. But you have to stand guard because everybody else behind you is depending on that you're standing guard at your post. He said it was a terrifying feeling. This idea, though, of standing guard at night, we need to be on watch because it's at night when you can't see, when you can't fully comprehend what's happening. We have to be alert. My dad standing guard at night, he had to be alert at all times. And Jesus is saying, be always on the watch, like a watchman at night, a guard night, and pray as Christians. We need to be alert with our prayers. May we not, may we not in life be pacified into a state I want to make sure I use the right words here. A state of contentness. And what I mean by that, because I, I understand Paul said we know what it means to be content in life. But Paul's also talking about being content that the Lord is your strength, that the Lord takes care of you no matter what. What I'm talking about is a contentness of earthly things. Sometimes in America we have such comfortability in our lives, comfortability, stability in our jobs, in our money, in these things that I would say we're not as alert and on guard as those that maybe are in Africa or in China or in Tibet. We have to be careful to stay on guard, to stay alert. Jesus, when he's in the garden, remember he, he tells his disciples to stay alert, right? Tells them to watch and pray. Verse 37 in Matthew says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. May we never spiritually fall asleep in our lives. May we always stay alert and on guard. Because when it's when you begin to fall asleep, spiritually that temptation comes in. I really believe where there is an absence of prayer, there is an abundance of sin. Where there is an absence of prayer, there is an abundance of sin. When you are praying at all times, when you are praying in the spirit, God aligning with your spirit, with every prayer and request, when you are staying alert, you are aligning yourself with Jesus in his will. Next thing is this, perseverance. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. Stay alert with all perseverance. Do not grow weary. Do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in your praying. Do not grow weary in your following Christ. Jesus actually told a parable about this in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. He said, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said... In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. 
For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus tells this parable about praying and not giving up, perseverance in prayer. As we wait for the return of Jesus, we must persevere in our prayers, that we should not grow weary in doing good, that we should not grow weary in our prayers. I'm going to kind of breeze through these next couple because I, I do want to have time at the end. But the next one is this. And I think this is important. It kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning. But we must be outward focused. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. And then Paul goes on in the verse after that. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. It's interesting that Paul is in prison, and yet he doesn't mention, pray that I might get out of this prison. Paul's prayer is that we would pray for the saints, that the church would pray for the saints, and that they would pray for him, that the message may be given with boldness when he opens his mouth about the mystery of the gospel. I'm not saying it's wrong that we shouldn't pray for ourselves, but I really think as Christians, our prayers should be outward focused. And with that, I think we should pray for our pastors. Paul said, pray for me. So what I want to do is I want to take a second and I want to pray for our pastors. I want to pray for our pastoral staff. I want to pray for our district officials, those that lead us, because I think it's important. I think it's important that we lift our pastors up. So will you join with me praying for our pastoral staff? God, I come to you right now. God, I thank you for this staff here at Northville Christian, for every pastor that you've brought here. Lord, I pray right now for Pastor James, for Pastor Pierre, for Pastor Nate, for Pastor Bob, for Pastor Chuck, Pastor Ken Story, Lord, that you would strengthen them. Lord, that as pastors, they would not grow weary in doing good, that they would not grow weary in preaching your truth, that they would not grow weary in seeing disciples of you made. Lord, that they won't grow weary in seeking you and you alone. Lord, right now that, that these pastors would feel a refreshing of your spirit, a renewing of the call that you've put on their life, Lord, that you would be their strength. Lord, I do pray for our district officials, for Pastor Aaron Halavin, our superintendent, for Pastor Brooks as our secretary treasurer, for Pastor Brad Trask, our super assistant superintendent, for Pastor Matt Vanderstein, our student ministries director. Lord, these men that have been put in charge of our district to lead us as a district, as a fellowship. Lord, that you would give them vision for this district. Lord, that you would give them guidance as they guide and direct pastors. Lord, that they won't grow weary. Lord, I specifically pray for Pastor Brooks in this new season of life. 
Lord, as he is charged with the mental, spiritual health of pastors in this district, Father, you would give him grace to walk with people through life, but words of truth to speak to them. And Lord, I, I do pray. Lord, I pray for Ben Murray and his family. Lord, as, as he's opened himself up the last year and a half, praying and seeking your will for his life to move his family again. Lord, whatever your will is, Lord, that you will guard their hearts. Lord, as they have opened up their hearts to possibility, Lord, that you will guard their hearts. Lord, that they will continuously seek you, that you will be their strength. You will be their confidence, Lord. You will be their guidance. Lord, that you will be with their kids. Lord, that transition is hard for teenagers. Lord, that you will be with their kids in time of transition. As they leave friends, as they leave family, that you will guard their kids' hearts. And Lord, I pray for Pastor Thomas Finley. Or a pastor here in this district, here in this, this area, Lord, who had a stroke. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this road of recovery, that you will give him strength. Lord, in moments of doubt, in moments of question, that he will turn to you. In moments of wondering why, he will turn to you. That you will be with his wife and, and six kids. Lord, that they will trust in you during this time. Lord, we thank you for our pastors, those that you have given to us to guide us, to lead us in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Thomas Finley, that, that's actually where Pastor Chuck is this morning. So Pastor Thomas is um, a lead pastor at Fairhaven in Dearborn Heights. Um, I've had the pleasure of knowing Pastor Thomas for about eight years now. We were co-counselors at camp. His wife, Tanisha, was on the director team for camp with us, but uh, he's the lead pastor at Fairhaven now, and he had a stroke. Um, pastor Chuck is there preaching this morning for them. They're close with them, but if you'll just keep them in your prayer. Um, he, he's young, has six kids, um, but he has a road of recovery ahead of him as he recovers from his stroke. Last thing with this, um, characteristics of prayer is it needs to be gospel-focused. Gospel focus. Verse 19 says, pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. When we pray, our prayers should be gospel focused. We should ask the Lord for opportunities to share his word with those around us. We should pray for opportunities to share his truth. We should pray for boldness, as Paul did, that we would be bold enough to speak as we should about the gospel of Jesus, about the truth of who Jesus is, about what he has done for those around us, about what he has done on the cross. Our prayers should be gospel-focused. I'm going to have Pastor James come up. Just a moment, we're going to, again, we're going to open up the, the, the area down front, this altar. And I want to encourage you. You can do it in your seat. You can come forward if you want. It. I like to come forward because it gets all the distractions out of my view. 
But we're going to take a moment, and I know we've done it throughout the service, but we're going to take a moment, just you and the Lord, for you to pray. For you to pray, for you to seek Jesus. Before we do that, Paul ends with four verses. It's kind of his farewell to the, the church in Ephesus. Verse 21 says, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know about how we are and encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith. From God the Father and the Lord of Jesus Christ, grace be with all of you who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. I just love Paul's heart for the church. Paul's heart for Christians. And it's not a heart that they would be comfortable, that they would live comfortable lives, but it's a heart of that they would be faithful to Jesus. It's a heart that they would be strengthened no matter what happens. It's a heart that they would be filled. Verse 24, grace be with all of you, all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. I, re I enjoy reading Paul's writings because he speaks hard truth and he speaks in love. He speaks in love. What I want to do before we go into this altar time is I'm just going to read the Lord's Prayer to you. If you come down front and you say, well, I just don't know how to pray or what to pray. The Lord's Prayer is a great guide, obviously. Pastor Brooks would come in a staff meetings uh, a lot of times and he he would tell us, you know, this morning I just pray through the Lord's Prayer on the way on the way to staff. So I'm going to read it to you. I want you to listen to it carefully. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. One more time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus starts again with this thanksgiving, this praise, this honor to God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Aligning ourselves with the will of God. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus, give us today what we need, the strength we need to face what's before us. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Some would say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And the last, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As we've read through Ephesians, as we've read through the armor of God, Stand firm. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And then just for five minutes, I know we're over time, but that's okay. Just 
five more minutes. I'm going to do a formal dismissal, but for five more minutes, if not, maybe four, we're going to take time to pray. It could be in your seat. If you want to come down here and kneel, you can. But we're going to take four or five minutes, and we're just going to pray. Again, if you say, I don't know how to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. It's a great guide. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go into that. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Jesus, thank you for your salvation. For your grace, for your mercy. Not grace and mercy to keep sinning, but grace and mercy to live in you. To live holy and pleasing lives unto you. may our prayers, may our lives, our thoughts align with your will. May they align with your heart. Not our idea of what we think you mean or what you think, what we think you said, but Lord, with who you are, with the gospel, with the word of truth, may our hearts align with that. We seek you for our lives. Jesus, without you, we are nothing. But with you, we are more than conquerors through your gospel message.